For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Chuck, good morning, man. Uh, your thoughts on the game just Saturday night? Well, it was uh, didn't turn out the way we wanted. That's for sure. I know people, um, you know, people are frustrated, and I understand that. And it was a game that could have been won, just wasn't, and that's kind of how it's gone so far this season. It was. Um, it's a frustrating night. I, I, I hate it for everybody involved right now. I mean, I hate it for the players and the coaches and hate it for the fans. I mean, I saw a lot of people down there in Oxford, and I know people uh, made all sorts of investments in being fans, and I heard for them. It's just no fun. It's not like they're going out there and getting blown out. Mm-hmm. It's not like they don't have chances to win the games. Um, they're right there. They just have not been – as good this year at finding ways to win. I know the, the Arkansas section was heavily filled up on Saturday night. I went, one point went down to the second half and sat down next to my brother and whatnot, so there were a, a good chunk of fans in attendance. And, and I think a lot of people, again, the, the effort, we, we heard from Coach at the top of our open, the effort was there. Just the mental aspect of the game hurt him again. He talked about zero penalties against the Aggies last week and 10 costly ones on Saturday night. Well, one of the things that I think is happening right now is that, you know, there's, uh, I think there's the sense among these offensive linemen that we're struggling, we got to be perfect. Um, I think there's a there's a factor that comes into play, a, a, a nervousness, a sense of maybe too much urgency. I think all those things have led to false starts, is what I'm driving at. I th- I think there's a there's the feeling that. You know, there's a pretty good chance we may get whipped on this play anyway. So, you know, I got to make sure I get as much mm-hmm. of a start as I can. And I know that's, I know that goes in one ear and out the other for a lot of people. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that's the explanation. That's just, it's one of the things I've thought about when I've watched them. I think they're nervous. I think there's, as Quinn Grovey would call it, the pucker factor. And I think it's going on, and I think it's real, and I think that's leading to a lot of these penalties. And Coach talked about the motion that the defensive lines are are um, are, are utilizing. And I think sometimes when you you know you can practice so much of that during the week, but everything you just talked about gets thrown into the pot there, and you're 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 trying to figure it out during the game. And this three hundred pound, three hundred thirty pound defensive lineman across you is is moving and motioning in right in front of you. 
it's hard not to flinch. Well, the players know what's going on out there better than we do. We mm. see the end result. They're out there in the in the trenches in the fight, so to speak, and they know where they're being taken advantage of, and they know where they may have an advantage. And it doesn't mean that you know you're going to be successful every time at executing, but it does mean that I think they've got a pretty good knowledge of what's going on out there. I think these guys are trying to get head starts. I think that's happening. I think there's a – I just think there's a nervousness. I think there's a just, – just all these things have combined. You know, the, here's the thing about the A&M game. I mean, they just got beat. I mean, they just got whipped. It wouldn't have mattered. I don't think if they'd held or false start. I mean, they just got whipped all day. Um, I think there was the sense that, you know, we've got a chance to keep Ole Miss out. But our margin for error is real small, and right. I think that just all adds up. Yeah, and I, I can't imagine their confidence is at the level you'd want it to be. Well, and, no. And when you make mistakes, and, and you talk about the nervousness, that that's all seated in, in in a in a confidence that hadn't been built to where it needs to go, and that's that's part of it. <clears throat> well, you look at what happened Saturday night, and you know you kind of got the sense that this was how it was going to be. We talked about it on the pregame show that. These five guys are going to have to play every snap. They're going to have to play every snap because Manuel's not done anything this week. He's hurt. Tykeese Crawford took a blow late in the week, and he couldn't play. And, you know, so you're down to among the listed backups on the two deep. You got a former walk-on. You got a guy that played four games in junior college last year, and you got a redshirt freshman out there who saw a very minimal action a year ago. Those are your backups. And so the idea that they're going to play very many snaps unless someone gets hurt, that's just not going to happen. They moved these guys all over. I mean, they moved them all over that offensive line. Um, and they may continue to do that. Some of this may be as simple as what's the matchup? Um, you know, what's the individual matchup? You know, we're all just talking right now, and I don't claim to know the answer, and I don't claim to know the problem other than, there's just not been the ability to run the ball, and you cannot run the ball, or you cannot win if you cannot run the ball, okay. and they just can't do it right now. Yeah, and Coach talked about that after the game. We were trying to get the ball down the field or outside. We just couldn't do anything, run the ball in the A and B gaps. We were trying to loosen them up a little bit just in case we want to run a draw or something like that or get the ball out on the edge. Again, you had 36 rushing yards to the game. Ole Miss nearly had 200, and you gained him passing the football. And, um, again, the defense did enough on that end to keep you in the football game. But this offense is not set up to win games if you can't run the football. So they well, don't – nobody's is. Nobody's is. There's not an offense out there that's going to win very many games if they can't run it. I don't – I just – I'm looking for – and I think I'm not the only one. Uh, I think there's a lot of fans out there that are looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, if we get to this point or if we switch this or switch that, then there's going to be positive. And I just don't know how it's going to happen this weekend in Tuscaloosa. If it was sure. that simple, wouldn't they have already done it, right? Well, right. That's just it. And and look, I, you know, my sense right now is there will be a point this season when it does come together for these guys. It may only be one game. I don't know. What I hope is that when it comes together, if it comes together, we're not to the point where we're just playing out the string. Um, there's still some things to salvage here. Uh, they still play four of the last five at home 
And I realize this gauntlet right now has made things appear hopeless. I am well aware of that. But I also know that this thing is going to flip after Alabama. You are going to get Mississippi State and Auburn at home. Uh, and I realize, again, that this morning, that doesn't mean anything to people. I, I, I say that absolutely acknowledging that point. But I think the idea that, you know, gosh, if we just had guys who coach them up a little bit better on Monday and Tuesday, we'd play better on Saturday. I just don't think it's that simple right now. Sometimes it is. But I don't think it is right now. Yeah, and I think a lot of the accountability from fans has just fallen directly on the coaches. If if a coach tells a player something a hundred times and he still's not doing it, at a certain point, like the coaches, he's his hands are tied. Like that's just the reality of certain things. And I, I get collegiate professional. You're more apt to blame the the athletes and the professional side of things than you are in the collegiate side of things. But guys, some of this blame, some of these losses comes back on the players. It's, well, I mean, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Uh, yeah, see, you, you can pass blame around. Um, the one thing that I will say is that, you know, Matt Jones is – I enjoy visiting with Matt about, you know, what's going on in terms of players and development and things like that because he knows, and he talks over and over again about reps. You're not going to get any better without just an incredible number of reps. And right now – we got two spots on the offensive line where these guys have just not gotten enough reps. And I don't know how else to put it. It doesn't make them bad players, doesn't make them bad kids, doesn't make the guys who are coaching them bad coaches. Sam Pittman's had 36 offensive linemen drafted. Seven of them have gone in the first round. I mean, he didn't stop being a good offensive line coach. You know, right now, and, and, and you know, you can say the players, you can tell them a hundred times, I don't think it's that. I think they're trying. I just don't think they played enough. Pure and simple. They've just not played enough. And I don't know how you rectify that in two or three days. This is going to be difficult. The thing that you've got to hope, again, is that when it comes together for them, if it comes together for them, and I don't know that it will, but if it does, you've just got to hope there's something left to salvage. And I don't know that we're going to get the positive reinforcement on that answer this Saturday. I don't know that we are. But I just think that's, I think that's where the team is right now. That's my honest assessment. He was talking with you after the game. Again, they did try to switch some things up and then back to reverting back to what they've been doing this They tried show. everything. Yeah. Late in the second, we decided to move Bo back to center, and then we made the whole change at, at half to go ahead and go back to where we were. We f- felt like that would give us the best chance of winning at that point in the game, and that's what we did. Trying to find a way to run the football, and it's just been very difficult. And again, I, I said this leading up to the week and then after, at least they tried something new. Now, it didn't work. In fact, when they went back to it in the second half, they seemed to get better pass blocking when they went back to what they had doing, but they're not just sitting there. It just... Again, it hasn't amounted to what we want as fans at this point. Well, it's, it's, it's very difficult, and this is the spot that they're in. It's very difficult to build cohesion on the offensive line when you don't have the same guys in the same spots every snap. By the same token, it almost seemed to me like Saturday night, I mean, well, so-and-so's getting whipped by this guy. we got to move somebody over there. You know, we got to stop this guy. It was almost like a matchup situation. And you don't want 
to base where you put a guy on the offensive line on an individual matchup. You want it to be collective. But right now, they're just not in a spot where they can do that. Let me tell you about West Art Plumbing and Expert Drain Services for just a moment. You never know when a plumbing problem is going to ruin your day. Make it a little easier with experts like West Art. 646-5151 is their number. Put that in your phone, and the next time you have a hot water tank that goes on the fritz, a water line that breaks, or you need uh, help at, at maybe your restaurant or your office with a water, sewer, gas, or grease line, West Start Plumbing and Expert Drain Services will be on their way. So when things aren't flowing your way, put this number in your phone and have it on standby. 479-646-5151. 646-5151 for West Start Plumbing and Expert Drain Services. All right, before we uh, take some calls, I do want to read some text this morning. These kind of on the same lines. Eric from Fayetteville and, and Tyler from Mountain View on the McClarty Daniel Hotline that if this was the case with the offensive line that Sam Pittman saw, how is this not addressing the portal? That's something I've said because you saw what they were able to do on the defensive line with the portal. Y'all, you have a good defense. Now, they haven't had a ton of sacks this season, but you're right up with Ole Miss and tackles for loss on Saturday night. I mean, Ole Miss ran all over LSU and passed all over the week before. You split their total yards in half. And they didn't have near the offensive output going up on the other end to that point. You supplemented your defensive line, Deke Adams. That's why you kept him on board because they went out and got some players. I don't know if it was just a numbers issue. I don't know if Kennedy missed on some recruits. I don't understand why your defensive line, you were able to add all these great players out of the portal. Guys, they're using each and every down, but you only brought in one guy. Joshua Brown, who is a starter, I might add, but you brought in one offensive lineman for the transfer portal. If you thought the offensive line wasn't going to be up to SEC standards, which it's not, then you got to add some guys in the offseason. And they added one. Hang on a minute. Um, It's a lot more difficult to bring portal guys to the offensive line, I think, than any other position. Let's take Ole Miss. Just for a minute. Let's take Ole Miss just for a minute. They've had one really good offensive game. And we all watched it when they beat LSU. They brought in two offensive linemen, two new offensive linemen. And I saw Ole Miss have issues blocking again Saturday night. I've watched I've watched several Ole Miss games leading up to Saturday night. They've had issues blocking in every game. If you look at a lot of the teams out there, Matt Stenchcomb said this. He said every team out there, except for maybe four or five, are having offensive line issues because it's the hardest group to get to play together. It's the most difficult to supplement through the portal. You know, this is a guy that was an All-American, played in the NFL. I mean, knows the position pretty well. Um, But now beyond that, the obvious answer is they thought these guys were going to be better. That's the obvious answer. They thought they were going to be better. I guarantee you if they felt like in the spring we ain't got a tackle, they'd have gone out and looked for one. I think they felt like they had that. And obviously it's just not gone down the way they thought it would or the way we thought it would. Um, but, but the defensive line and the offensive line, it's different. It's different. 
And I don't know that you can rebuild an offensive line through the portal the way you can a defensive line. We're going to find out over the next 10 years. But I just think that's a more difficult task than maybe people think. All right, let's take some calls. First goes to Brent in Stuttgart on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Brent, welcome in, man. Good morning, fellas. I'm just going to tell you, I came to a, uh, I came, I made some decisions this past weekend. It, it dawned on me that no matter how hard I try not to like it or I'm not happy with it, our offense is a 20 point, our offense is a 20 point a game score. That's the, that's the most we can do right now. Our offensive line is, we're not very good, but our defense is what is playing lights out. Lights out. I mean, you come from one twenty nine in the country to uh, forty three or forty six. You're in the top. You're in the top third. Of de- you're in the top one third in defense in the country, and we've got so many deficiencies right now. We we stop Ole Miss on a four. Or we stop them. They have to punt at the end of the half, and we have twelve people on the field. That is inexcusable. I am. I am sorry. That is inexcusable. But I've come to the fact, and I don't like it, but I've had to rationalize it in my head. We're twenty point a game scores. We can't run the ball, and I, there's just no answers this year for this team. We just got to ride out the last. Seven, we just ride out the last six weeks. That's all I can say. Let me say this about Brent right there, what he said. And I think when he talks about the defense, this is the reason I've not let go of the rope yet. Because the defense is keeping him in, and will continue, I think, to keep him in these games. I mean, guys, it's not like this, this is not North Texas and Western Kentucky running us off the field. I mean, we're losing one possession games to ranked teams by and large and the defense has made it a one possession game it's their work that's kept Arkansas in the ball game and that's why I've not given up on this yet because I do think and I said this a little bit earlier it may just be one time but I do think there's going to come a point where this offensive line puts it together what I hope is they can string a couple of three games together build a little confidence when they're back at home and try to salvage this thing, at least as much as you can. My fear is by the time it happens, the season may be lost. And I know in a lot of fans' minds it is today, but you're halfway through the year. And it sucks right now, and I get it. It may not get any better this week. I get that part too. But it's the fact that the defense has been playing well that still makes me think there are some wins out there. Because, again, it's not like they're getting blown out. It's not like that's happening. And that's what makes the mistakes that they're making even more frustrating because we see a chance to win. And this defense, again, not having their best cover corner, Dwight McLaughlin, you, and Chuck, you might have told me, you lost Campbell, Chris Paul, and Jalen Braxton all during the course of the game. Yeah, Clark went out. You had a bunch of guys that hurt. You had another one. And again, you still held... Training room's going to be busy this week. Yeah, LSU allowed... 700-plus total yards to Ole Miss last week. You allowed half of that. You, Daxon Dart, was really not on I mean, 16 for 25. I think a 
buck fifty. I mean, he wasn't great either. There, one hundred fifty-three yards. Uh, they started the game. Ole Miss. I, this was a crazy stat. They already they started the game zero and nine on third down. He started zero and six and zero for nine. So again, defensively, there's a lot of positives you can take from what Travis Williams group can did. They had eight tackles for loss. I mean, they were for the most part shutting Ole Miss down. Even that missed field goal at the end of the first half after the gaff that Brent just mentioned this morning. Having having said all these things, you have to win the game. This is a profession about winning and losing, and everyone acknowledges that. You know, we can go through the reasons and we can uh, try to speak rationally about it and why it's happening and you know, try not to let anger get the best of us. But we all know at the end of the day, it's about winning and losing. Period. End of story. All right. Let's take Jimmy and Conway's call back on the McCarty Daniel hotline. Jimmy, good morning. Top of the morning to you, fellas. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, I got to say, a bright spot. How about Ty Washington? Man, hadn't even heard his name until Saturday. I mean, I've seen it on the depth chart, but he finally got a chance. And that young man's a player. He just finds a way to get open. And I'm, I'm excited about the thought of him and Haas together next year. That, that's exciting to me, to have two of them that can do some damage to the defense. They will, they will do some damage together. But... Uh, I got to disagree a little bit with what Chuck said about the guys not getting enough reps. You know, we, we've got a senior offensive lineman that is just having a horrible year. He's a good kid, but he is just not getting it. He, he just—I don't know if it's the position change or what—but he—he's got to be leading the conference in penalties. And, and if he—if he's a senior and he's not getting it. At some point, you got to pull him and put, put a younger person in there. I would, he can't not do it, anybody he can't better. Do it. Not anybody better. Not Jim, anybody close. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't go that far. But to, to your point, I mean, three of the four false starts on the offensive line were on seniors and Brady Latham and, and Bo Limmer. So it's not just the younger guys. It's not just Joshua Braun the transfer. The mental mistakes that you're seeing on the offensive line are from your vets. I think that's what's so disheartening and so frustrating for Arkansas fans listening. You would understand, oh, it's the young guy doing it. But there are older guys that are making mistakes up there. I think they feel like they've got a cover for the younger guys. It goes back to the pucker factor we talked about earlier, and I think all that's led your veterans to getting more false starts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Call or text the McClarty Daniel Hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas.
Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Plenty of stuff to get into from Sam Pittman, both after the game and on the radio conversation with Chuck. And you kind of heard this in the open. Again, they played hard. They just didn't play smart. And and Coach kind of readdressed that postgame. Our kids played extremely hard. We didn't play extremely smart. You know, we had 10 penalties, six false starts, jumped off sides on defense on a second and 15. Things that we can control, we work on them. We just got to do something different than what we're doing at practice because obviously it's not working. Well, whatever they did the practice before, A&M obviously worked. And again, there's a certain extent to... You get a penalty so your quarterback doesn't get killed at this point, but it's not like they switched it up dramatically. I guess they they rotated the offensive line a little bit. But if you're, I mean, if you're Sam Pittman and Cody Kennedy, aren't you just banging your head against the wall? I mean, I saw how frustrated he was on the television on the telecast. I can't imagine what it's like post game in in the locker room during the course of the week. I'm sure penalties are always frustrating. Sometimes you know you've got a good team and you can overcome penalties. There have been lots of teams out there that were good that got penalized right and left. They were just over, you know, just good enough to overcome it. Arkansas is not good enough to overcome these things. It goes back to the margin for error, which is extremely slim right now. And things like that are magnified when you don't have much margin for error. You know, if you had great players all over the field and you were scoring 35, 40 points a game – you know, I can remember some years when some of the most prolific offenses in America, I mean, they, they shot themselves in the foot with penalties all the time, and then they'd come back and score, and everybody forgot about it. This team's just not good enough to do that. Alabama. And so when they have them, they're in trouble. Alabama was the most penalized team in the Southeastern Conference and one of the most penalized teams in college football last year, yet they only found themselves losing two games because they have that talent. Arkansas, again, like you're saying, doesn't have the deferential or the talent to that's overcome a good stat. those. That's a good stat. Yeah. And, and, and I think that illustrates what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at this point. Ole Miss, just for example, Ole Miss averages more penalty yards and, and a little bit more than Arkansas does. And they had five on Saturday compared to year 10. So it's not like other teams. Again, Ole Miss has lost one game all season just to the Crimson Tide. And unfortunately, they're, can, they're still able to overcome those, unlike you are. Well, I think what's frustrating for people, it's frustrating for them, and it's really frustrating for fans. It's not the holds. It's not the personal fouls. It's not those things that drive you nuts. It's the pre-snap penalties. I mean, that's what just drives you crazy. And those are the things that, when I look at a team, um, you know, how are they being penalized? When's it happening? Mm-hmm. You know, is it uh, is it death by a thousand paper cuts, or you know, are these uh, you know, uh, are they just getting caught holding? Sometimes that's the case, but 
It's 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 the pre staff uh, pre snap stuff that I think drives people bonkers. And you had four of them false starts on Saturday night. Three of them on your offensive linemen combined between Limmer and Latham, and then one of them being Ty Washington. So it's not just on the offensive line. Tight ends have had a lot of them to this point as well. Six games through the season. Let's go to the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Welcome in Andy, who's in Benville this morning. Andy, what's going on, my man? Hey. Hey, good morning, Ty. I was going to light you up. You put me in a bad mood the first hour, but you brought up National Sneaker Day and kind of made me chuckle. And I had to go look at my wide array of shoes. And uh, I don't know who was talking about the Hoka's, but yeah, the Hoka's yeah. are quite comfortable. Yeah, a very ugly shoe. Yeah, they're like prescription but, shoes. Yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, you get a, you spend a little bit of money, get the New Balance running jogging shoe. It's right there with it. So we're talking about we'll New Balance and Hoka's. Yeah. Stylish guys. You want now, Chuck? Stylish guys. I'm enjoying you guys talk about your style. Oh, my stylish one, Chuck. I got another, I got two pair. Another New Balance got you know, like UCLA colors. I got them my walking around shoes, and the other one is just for my Sunday shoes with those. I got kind you. of a New Balance man these days, but uh, anyway, Ty, you keep bringing up our bras. That's we can't do that anymore. We're, we we got to go in the present. Kindle. Kindle. I'm sorry, our bras is daddy. Okay, true. But, um, I, you know, when I watched the game this past Saturday with KJ, you know, I wish he would act like Matt Jones a little bit more. You bring Matt up, just go. Play's broken. Play is done. But it seems to me they have a choke collar on him, and he is waiting probably in the pocket too much, hence the sacks and things like that. At this point in the season, he's just, they got to let him go. Well, I, I think, in, and we'll keep you on just for a sec, Andy. So Danny Nose is known for lawn developing routes. He's also known, again, for quarterbacks having to read stuff. I don't think KJ has adapted to necessarily the reads and the designs of the play calls to this point. Again, that's my personal opinion. I think there's a lot of people smarter than me that would tell you the same thing. And again, holding the ball, he, his receivers, guys, the only guy that's really getting separation that's a receiver is Armstrong. That's it. I mean, Tesla's not getting open. He's been irrelevant the last two games. Broden's been okay. Satania can't get open. They don't have anyone that's getting space. Go watch Ole Miss's wide receivers and the space that Dart has to throw relative to Arkansas and the timing, too, because these offensive lines giving him a lot more time than KJ. So, again, I, I don't think KJ's perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but he is. He, he's got far... Far more of an uphill battle than a lot of quarterbacks in this league, Andy. Well, hey, Chuck, what do you think about what I stated before? And thank you, Ty. Chuck, what do you think you should just probably have to take off sometimes? Just you've got to go. We're so far into the season. The season is a bust. Hopefully, we get a couple more wins. And I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, but we're to a point. We're so far in the offensive line. No one is jelly. Nothing is working. I'm gonna let you guys. To think on that one. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Andy. Good call. You know, I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about in the first hour, that we expect K.J. to be Superman. We expect K.J. to make everything okay, to cover up for everybody else's deficiencies. And I don't know that we can do that. I, I don't know that he can do that. Um, you know, Matt Jones played behind a really good offensive line now. I mean, that was, a, that was a pretty good offensive line back then. You can say whatever you want to about old Markison, but he always put together a pretty good offensive line. And I think that offensive line was playing better than this one, quite honestly. And um, I think K.J. is limited in that regard. I don't think he's Superman. 
I think, we, again, I think we expect him to be. We expect him to just make something good out of something bad. Sometimes he can do that. But, you know, you've still got to have some structure of your offense. Um, you know, you can't just say, hey, everybody, you know, everybody go out, and if nobody's open, I'm going to run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'd be nice, but that's just not going to work enough. And, again, the the run aspect that you mentioned, it's, it's running when stuff can happen. They can't run the football, and Coach was talking about it after the game, just trying to run the football and how much difficult that makes that offense. Offensively, we've got to find a way to run the football. Until we do that, we're putting way too much pressure on our quarterback, our offensive line to protect during those times and our wideouts to get open. It's hard to win a game when you can't run the football. We've got to figure out a way to do it. Obviously, we're trying, but what we're doing is not working, so we've got to figure that part of it out. Well, there were, you know, go ahead, Tommy. I'm th- sorry. There were several times where it was third and long in this game. Obvious passing down, and Ole Miss sent three and dropped eight and went to zone. And they still and, got pressure. Right, and it still got pressure. But that's when you need coverage to break down and a lane to open up. I mean, that's how Manziel killed those people for years or for a couple of years in this league is things broke down and you could get by those three and go get your first down on third and eight or third and nine. And that didn't happen enough where it just broke down because, like you said, they got the pressure with three, Chuck, and that's what KJ can make happen out of nothing a lot of times. Yeah, and, you know, again, I think we expect him to do that. We, we, we've come to expect that. And, you know, again, it just goes back to what he said a minute ago. Um, you know, when K.J. was doing what he was doing with his legs, Arkansas was running the ball. I mean, you know, we talked about mm-hmm. the game K.J. had against Ole Miss last year. Well, Rocket rushed for 238. So... Yep. When you run the ball, everything else happens too. And when you don't, nothing else happens. And that's the cold, hard reality of the deal. Back to the McCarty Daniel hotline where Philip in Bentonville is this morning. Philip, what's going on, man? Good morning, guys. Tommy, first of all, I want to tell you kudos on you and your uh, cruise Friday night with that barn burner with Rodgers and Wes. It was a that was wild game. The, yeah. That was a wild game, yeah. And I'm going to tell you what. That was, that was, but I, I also want to ask y'all, you know, at the end of the season, and I want to put you, I want you to be a head coach. What do you, what are the changes or do you make changes in the off season for next year? Talking about from a coaching personnel standpoint? Yeah. Well, coach, a coaching personnel, you know, just to, does he sit back and, you know, I know he made some changes, you know, he, he got a new strength and conditioning coaches. You know, do you? You know, you've got a new OC, a new PC. You know, what other changes can you make to improve personnel, well, coaching wise? I think first thing, the first thing you've got to do is let the second half of the season play out. You know, if 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 this thing turns into a complete disaster, well, there's going to be wholesale changes. I mean, don't kid yourself. There's going to be wholesale changes if this thing turns into a complete disaster. If there are some signs of life and you do have an opportunity to turn some things around at home down the stretch, and you do, that may alter some of what your thinking is. Now, if you were to determine the worth of the season today, um, probably make a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's going to be that way in six or seven weeks. Yeah. We're just going to have to see how the second half plays out. Yeah, I think people expect 
kind of what's happened the last couple of weeks. You play a ranked team close. You hope you don't go to Alabama and get embarrassed. But to me, in my mind, the way I'm thinking, right or wrong, that Mississippi State game is like 10 times more important than it was a few weeks ago because now you got to find a win. You got to win at home. And that's a team everybody, I think, listening and everybody that's going to have a ticket feels like you should win that game. They're terrible. They're horrible. That puts tons of pressure on the Mississippi State game to get it done. I'm not giving up on Alabama. I'm not sold on Alabama as being a juggernaut. I think they're a really good team, but I don't. I don't think they're. I don't think they're so good that they can't slip up. Now they'll have to slip up. They'll have to slip up. I'm. I'm. I'm not sitting here and saying anything, you know, along those lines. But I, I don't. I don't think Alabama's. You know, this isn't vintage Alabama. Emotional win against the Aggies last week, third Saturday in October. In Tuscaloosa next Let's talk weekend, ourselves into 11 a.m. Let's do it on Monday. But you're, th- th- Still, you're missing my greater you're, point. I mean, the, the bigger point is it's not about the Alabama game. It's but I a, hear you. It's about Mississippi State at home, a team that everybody feels like, even with your woes this year, even with four games in the in the loss column in a row and maybe five, Everybody still feels like you got you should win that if game. You, the expectation, I don't think, amongst the majority of the fan base is to go to Tuscaloosa and win. I think it is to come home and beat Mississippi State, and there's a ton of pressure. I don't disagree game. with that. I don't disagree that <clears throat> that's probably the expectation among most most people. And if the they don't, that, it's all going to hit the fan. It should be real. I mean, you can't beat Mississippi State at home. This Mississippi maybe State without. Will Rogers? Yeah, too. his. Uh, you should be relegated. Well, I mean, let's just get there. Let's just get there. Like, you know, let's let's not talk about well, what may or may not happen in two weeks. Let's just get there and, and the, see how it all this, plays out. This weekend, again, I I think if you ask the majority of fans, I don't know if there's a single Arkansas fan that thinks you're going to go beat Bama. I know I don't anymore. But if you so you, you need to called make, it. You uh, called it all it. summer. Stick to your guns. I can't. I can't this week after what I've seen from the offensive line through six. I want to, Chuck. I want to I say they're going to no win there do. for the first time no in 20 gun. years. Win for the first time against Nick Saban. But if you're, I mean, guys, we're trying to convince a fan base that, hey, you're going to beat Alabama for the first time with Nick Saban in the worst offensive line that he's gone up against. You're trying to win in Tuscaloosa. Well, for the we first don't time have in, to be convinced. 85 guys have to be convinced. We a, don't have to be convinced. It's a tough sell. Now, it is a question, hey, what's the locker room right right now? We heard Coach talk about that at the top borough, and here's what KJ said on just kind of how the locker room is. Just having faith in each other. I mean, just each and every day at practice, and even in the locker room as well, just making sure we're still bonding together, make sure we're still, we're still having fun, we're still in the moment, and we're still playing, uh, we're still passionate about the sport in this team in the state, so just being able to keep guys amongst each other and not divide and start to blame the game and stuff like that, so just making sure we all stay together and we all Together. Well, there's no question they haven't quit. I mean, you just watch the game. These guys have not laid down. They haven't let go of the rope. They're still playing hard. They're just not winning. That That's it, Chuck. Well, you're right. And the bottom line is you've got to win the game. Yeah. I mean, we can break it down as many ways as we want, but we've all been around this enough to know that you have to win. I mean, it's about winning games, and they've just not been able to do enough of that yet. 
The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more info. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. So Luke has out for the season. You wondered who was going to step up at tight end for Arkansas. There's another tie. Ty Washington had seven catches for 90 yards, two touchdowns, bid fourth down catch. Coach was very complimentary of him after the game. Here is what he said about Ty Washington. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, he earned his opportunity to play tonight and practice. Came in and just had one heck of a football game. I'm so happy for him. He kept his head up when Luke was in there playing and he came out and just had one heck of a football game. I'm awful happy for him. Chuck, not only was he a magnet for the football, a lot of his yardage came after the catch, over 30 yards after the catch in this game on Saturday night. Yeah, he's a good player, and, you know, as Coach Pittman said, I mean, he was behind Haz, and it's hard to displace a guy like Luke Haz. It just is. And, you know, you look at him, though, and I think the thing that, you know, perhaps has kept him off the field is, you know, the blocking and all the things that come in addition to being a pass catcher. I don't think anyone's ever doubted his athleticism in that regard the thing that I thought among all the things Pittman said about him after the game he said I think his blocking was pretty good too that tells me that you know you can play him um you know he's the same type player as has is in that they're more pass catching tight ends whereas Sherman and backs you think of more as you know your hand in the ground blocking tight ends if Washington's going to be able to play consistently um, you know, he, he's going to have to become that guy too. But I'll tell you, you look at that build, you look at the athleticism, uh, that's a guy that you got to find a way to get out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure as they move forward, they're going to find a way to get him out there because he's he's got some ability. Yeah, and Danny knows loves to utilize tight ends. You loved what you saw from Ty Saturday night. Hopefully you see some other positive outlooks the rest of the way. Arkansas Volleyball won again. 13 wins in a row. First time since 2003 they've had a winning streak this long. They beat Missouri over the weekend in 3-1 to one game, or in sets. 
Uh, they'll take on Ole Miss this Friday at 7 and Alabama on Sunday at 6. The Ole Miss game is going to be on the SEC Network Plus and Sunday's game is going to be on actual the SEC Network. So you got a homestand to look forward to. And again, this volleyball team, they keep on winning right now. Everybody loves a winner. When you win 13 in a row, man, you got a bunch of winners. So it sounds like things are going really well for them. Very happy for them. Soccer team finally lost over the weekend. They've gotten up to a top 10, 10 team in the country. They lose 2-1 to one to Auburn. They beat Auburn nine straight times. If you go back to their last loss in 2016, they're going to come back this week to face Florida Thursday night. That game is going to be on the SEC network at this point. So again, a lot of your other programs right now having success. I know people are itching for basketball season. I did see Muss and Danielle at the Grove this weekend. I saw him perusing the sidelines as well. So it seems like that, the, again, there are a lot of Arkansas fans that made the trip and your head basketball coach and the first lady of Arkansas basketball was one of them as well. Yeah, it's starting to run out of time to do things like that. Their, their weekends are getting ready to be filled pretty quickly. It's not that far away. Yeah. It's not that far away. I know people are looking forward to it. You know, one thing about soccer, let me just say this real quickly. Colby Hale has become to that program kind of like what Dave Van Horn is to baseball. You just know every year they're going to be in the hunt. You know, you know every year they're going to be good. And they're going to have an opportunity to play in the postseason. And if things fall right, they can go a long way. Uh, that program's in very, very good hands. No, you're exactly right. And basketball, by the way, first exhibition game is next Friday. It's, is it UT Tyler? I got I that opponent UT right. UT Tyler. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I thought that I had that opponent right. That That'll is be the, the night before the Mississippi State. Correct. Game. Yes, 6.30 if I remember that correctly. That is going to do it for your hog update this morning. Brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888 Eight Sparky. Let's talk to Charlie and Camden, who's on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Charlie, good morning. Good morning, guys. Um, wow. Um, you know, as a fan that's supportive of the team, the staff, and everybody try to be as positive as possible. I, I, I think right now one of the hardest things as a fan while we're watching is a lot of us just feel – and I'm not one of those fans that's going to get on Twitter and say everybody's fat and they suck and all this and act like an idiot. But, you know, it's just hard to watch right now. It hurts almost to watch uh, the way they're losing these games. And like you said, Chuck, they're playing hard, man. They're they're competing. They're just not – they're not finding ways to win games. And they just right now, I think, I think there's a lot of issues with their confidence and – Chuck, I, I think you brought up a good point earlier about this offensive line. Um, I think they're thinking too much, and there's a lot of thinking going on, and I think that's everybody on offense. You know, everybody wants to blame KJ, and I get all that. That's fine. But this offense as a whole right now, it just there's it's just hard to watch. And I feel Rocket Sanders didn't regress to what he has overnight. Now, granted, I know he missed a few weeks, but KJ did not regress to this overnight. You know, there is an issue. So, and I'm not blaming it all on Dan Enos, but because Kendall Browse down there at TCU, they're not doing a great job either. I just think right now, KJ may be more beat up than we think. He's taking a lot of hits. I think he's frustrated. And they, they can't run the football, guys. That's the difference this year. I mean, they cannot run the football even against white boxes. 
And uh, compared to the last few seasons, when two safeties are deep, they can't line up and run the football this year. And that's frustrating. And before I go, let me touch on the Dallas-San Fran game last night. Ty, I know you're a Packers fan. But I tell you what, uh, at least you got a good play caller. I, the difference right now in Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel and some of these other young, innovative coaches is night and day. And uh, what I watched last night, the creativity for San Francisco, man, they're fun to watch. Got to respect them. Y'all have a good one. I thought I was watching Bill Walsh during the first half. I mean, they were dinking and dunking and just west coasting them right down the field. And uh, they uh, they do it well. San Fran has way too many weapons compared to Dallas. Dallas has CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard. San Francisco has McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Kittle, Ayuk. And, I mean, you, I mean, they just have too many dudes. And Shanahan's just like you're saying with yeah. Walsh. I mean, the, the trick play that they had for the, I guess that was the second touchdown in the nine. I'll say this. Uh, again, there's been a lot of tape on Brock Purdy at this point after yeah. he took over. Doesn't look like he What was, a story that is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mr. Irrelevant. I'll, we'll see what he does in the playoffs. That but. is a precision offense. Mm-hmm. And right now, it is hitting on all cylinders. Yeah. They don't make many mistakes. Yeah. And, and to his comments, uh, again, about... I'll give KJ credit for this. He was asked after the game, confidence in the offensive line. And he said, yes, I still have confidence in the guys in our group and everything. Guys, through six games, and that's what he's saying publicly... I don't know privately how he, and again, he's being a captain, he's being a leader, and he's saying the right thing. But I don't know privately how he can have confidence. I don't think there's anyone. I don't think Sam Pittman. I don't think Cody Kennedy. I don't think any fan out there listening has confidence in the offensive line. And why would you? Again, he's saying what he needs to say as the leader of this football team. But through six games, we have no data to showcase that this is going to get better. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the next game they blow it up. And I hope it starts this Saturday at Alabama. But it's really difficult to convince us or anyone in that locker room that this thing is going to get better with the offensive line based on what we've seen to this point. Well, you may be right about that, but that doesn't mean KJ doesn't mean what he's saying. I mean, those are two different subjects. I hear what you're saying about wondering whether or not it's all going to happen. But, I mean, basically, I mean, if we're trying to decide does KJ really mean what he says, I mean... There's really nothing else he can say. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. 
Red zone has been an issue for this football team all season long. And it's not like the percentage is, is that bad, but it's the touchdown percentage that you continuously coming back to when you get chances. Here's Coach after the game on, again, a deficiency there. We waste a lot of scoring opportunities down in the red zone. We had opportunities to score down in the 25, and we just kicked field goals, and it's hard to win doing that. You think about some of the plays that occurred in the red zone. Rashad DeBinion fumbling the ball. Luckily, it went out of bounds, but you lost yardage there. There was a false start called on Brady Latham in second and goal to this point. I still don't understand the, the QB draw call from Dan Enos on Thursday, third and nine. I don't know if I'll ever understand that call. But guys, we, we keep talking about penalties, and we keep talking about them being deficient in this area of the game as well. Waving the magic wand. I don't think there's a magic wand to fix some of these problems. I think confidence is at the root of some of the penalty problems on the front line. They fixed the false starts a week ago. They were back again this week. I, I think it's a little bit of a whack-a-mole set up here for these coaches. You, you you fix one problem. They haven't solved the offensive line. Then this week, what pops up? You know, last week, no penalties. This week, penalties. You know, injuries is the one that really popped up this week, That uh, particularly on the defensive side. So it's, it's like you can... Band-Aid or patch one problem, Chuck, and then here comes another issue. Well, I was looking at the red zone, and, you know, so you've you got to get inside the 20, you know, before you're actually in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Being in plus territory doesn't mean you're in the red zone. I mean, Arkansas, in terms of red zone scoring, was 3 of 3, and they scored two touchdowns. Ole Miss was, um, I think they were in the red zone five times and scored three touchdowns. They scored every time they were in the red zone. They got in the red zone more. Uh, than Arkansas did, but but all uh, nobody missed a scoring chance in the red zone. They missed scoring mm-hmm. chances in plus territory, and I think sometimes you know you can be on the 23, 25, 26. That's scoring country, but it's not technically the red zone. Um, so Arkansas statistically and and uh, stats don't tell the complete story, and I, I'm not saying they do, um, but their 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 red zone numbers. Um, have not been like I think Ole Miss coming into the game. They'd been in the red zone twenty-five times. They'd kicked, uh, I think they'd kicked five field goals and scored sixteen touchdowns. That's not a great percentage. Mm-hmm. Arkansas had been in the red zone eighteen times going into the game. They'd scored twelve touchdowns, kicked five field goals. The issue there is Ole Miss got in the red zone more or had been getting in the red zone more, and they did again on Saturday night. Here's the difference. So, again, you're wondering, hey, where does Arkansas rank this season? You might find it surprising. They're inside the top 10. They're tied with Wisconsin right now for being, from a percentage standpoint, 95% of Arkansas's opportunities in the red zone have resulted in points, which, again, you're you're kind of surprised about. But the issue is, like, again, the touchdown percentage is four less than that and they are getting in these situations i mean credit to the offense for again making it to that point and putting points on the board but you're still squandering those opportunities which this unit can't afford to do based on the talent difference i want to i want to go back to something we talked about earlier in the show when you talk about arkansas actually being in the top 10 in terms of red zone scoring i'll go back to what stenchcomb said with the exception of a handful of teams Everybody's got some offensive line issues out there. The fact that, you know, we talk about Arkansas's frustrations in the red zone, and yet they've scored 95% of the time when they've gotten down there, kind of tells you that lots of teams are struggling in the red zone. 
um, to screen. You know, and again, I, I, I cited Ole Miss's numbers there. Uh, Percentage-wise, very similar to Arkansas's in terms of touchdowns. Um, every, again, with the exception of a handful of schools, everybody's still working out offensive line issues. It's just taking Arkansas longer and they're not getting enough done right now as they get better. Uh, six games. I, I wonder with – I think there's some truth to what you said earlier about Latham and Limmer feeling like they have to cover for some of the younger guys at this point. I wonder what game we could see them fully put it together. Is it Mississippi State this way? I, I'm just it, – it's – I feel – I feel it hard to believe that it's going to be this week in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I know we've seen crazier things, but when is this going to group act as one? When are they going to be cohesive? And the other question you got to ask yourself, are we going to see more changes where they flip guys around? Or is this just as it is? Now, I know Devin Manuel, again, dealing with the injury, not playing this past weekend, but are they done with moving guys around on that offensive line, are we going to? Well, those are two different questions. I, I, I mean, those are two different questions. No, I don't. I don't think they're done moving guys around. I mean, I don't know how you could yeah. be. Like every matchup's different. Every, I mean, who you're going against, their front, their personnel, possibly makes you think differently about it. But I, I don't think there's a living to be made changing every week and then changing again at halftime. I don't think that's. I don't think that's their intention either. I don't know that that's your intention. It may be your reality, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's you know in a perfect world what you want to do. Here again was uh, coach after the game about switching the line back. Well, the first drive we we'll go down and score, but we really didn't block a whole lot of guys. We had a lot of guys coming through untouched. The movement was bothering us especially at center. So in the second quarter, we decided to put Bo back at center, maybe help that. And then at halftime, I decided just to go back to where we were the first five games and see if we'd be better. I'll have to watch the tape to see if we got any better or not with that combination of guys. Let me make a point. We talked last week about Kudus moving to center. And I think this goes frankly, and I'll admit I'm in this group, and I think we all are. You know, we focused on, can he get the snap right? You know, because that's what we understand. You know, we don't understand everybody's assignment on every play. I won't pretend that I do. Mm -hmm. But if you listen to what Pittman said, they had to make a move there because the things that Kudus was seeing, the things that Ole Miss was doing, were giving him problems. The snaps were fine. Snaps were never an issue on Saturday night. Um, it's the things that, you know, as fans, we don't always notice that we're giving him the problems. And so ultimately, and we talked about this possibility uh, going into the game, that just because they start this way doesn't mean they're going to finish this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be the case as we move forward. It's not ideal, but I'm not sure they're going to be able to get away from that as much as they'd like. Yeah, and I, again, I, I wonder what other you – know, we always hear the phrase – like bullets left in their chamber. I don't know what Arkansas, what Sam Pittman and this offensive ha- and Cody Kennedy have left in the chamber to this point. And again, these he sees the, they see these guys every day, and they know them ten thousand times more than we do. But I just wonder what else, like tinkering wise. You mentioned reps earlier, and we're six games in at this point. I, I, I oh, I, I understand. I understand, and and. Um, Again, if you determine the worth of the season right now, I mean, they just never put it together. 
there are six games left, and we're at home. You know, I, I'm 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 not sitting here trying to convince people it's going to be okay because I don't know that it is. I have no earthly idea. Um, there aren't a lot of signs during this four game stretch that make you believe that's going to happen. But I've seen seasons turn before too, and I do believe that there will be a point this season where these guys um, begin to put it together. Uh, and what I hope is that there's something left to salvage. Yeah. Did you you feel like I mean you guys may think this Alabama game is winnable. I don't this week. But I think every one of those five games that are on the back end, I know Missouri's playing well right now in their last game. You got the non-conference game with, was it Florida International, Auburn, Mississippi State kind of coming out of that stretch and the road trip to Florida, the second game. Every one of those games you feel like you can win. I mean, if you told me Arkansas was going to go 5-0 and to close the season, I mean, right now it doesn't seem the way, the way they play, but you're going to get to the downhill side of the schedule soon. Well, one or two wins, and all of a sudden everything seems possible again. And I don't know that that's going to happen. But if it does, I do know everything will seem possible again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, right now, I mean, they are where they are. And we knew this was going to be a brutal stretch. And I'll go back to something I've said before. You take away the BYU loss. And I'm not saying any of this is good, but it's not as bad. And you look at the fact that, you know, you lost on the road by three to LSU and you lost on the road by a touchdown to the, you know, 16th ranked team in the country. Um, you know, you, I don't think they're going to get blown out at Alabama, even if they don't win. I don't think they're going to get blown out down there. Um, my point is, if you'd won that ball game, everything feels different. But, of course, you didn't. And that's why people feel, at least in part, the way they do today. And Let's- I get that. Let's hear what Nelson and Harrison thinks. He's on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Nelson, welcome in, man. I just, hey guys, I just want to say, you know, this team is so frustrating because of the fact that they could have won every game they played. I mean, the A&M game was a little bit out of reach, but the thing of it is, like, let's go back to Ole Miss here. You've got Ole Miss stopped. And then you got 12 men on the field, you know, in, in the special teams, you know, and give them a first down. And then, not only that, Brady Latham, your captain, I mean, his name has been mentioned way too much for bad things instead of good things. And then the last person we got to look at here is I hear what you guys are saying about the offensive line. And Big Mike and Waldron, Dan Enos is not going to – stop throwing interceptions. Whenever you throw two interceptions that are just ridiculous, and that last interception that KJ threw, he threw it into three-man coverage Mm -hmm. and had Rocket Sanders right wide open to his right. I mean, it's not an offensive, it's not an offensive strategy problem. It's a little bit of the O-line, but KJ has to stop throwing interceptions. He's got, what, five or six? And he ain't had that. I mean, this is just, he's got to stop or they're not going to win. And thanks, guys, and I'll listen. I think turnover margin is going to be real important going forward. That's always important for a team with a small margin. And Arkansas is a team with a small margin. You better win that battle every week if you're going to have a real chance to win. 
Uh, yeah, you had a chance to recover a muff fumble on special teams. You weren't able to do that. You did get, thanks to Malik Chavez, you did get that fourth down stop turnover on downs. You mentioned that penalty, Nelson. Ole Miss didn't score on that drive. If you remember, they missed a field goal at the tail end of the half. So luckily it didn't come back to bite. But there have been, again, I think it was three penalties in that game resulted in Ole Miss first downs on third down. So, yeah, it's uh, again, we've, we talked about the offensive inadequacies to this point especially with penalties, but defenses hurt themselves in certain situations. It's just hard to be critical of them based on how they just kept battling on Saturday night. Yeah, defense on the whole has been fine. That's 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 not the issue. But you're right. There have been instances where here and there there are plays, and it just goes back to winning football and, um, you know, being – uh, making the right plays at the right moment or sometimes avoiding mistakes at the wrong time. And it sounds simple, uh, but right now they, they, they've just not been able to solve that. We haven't really talked much college football to this point. Six undefeated top 25 teams lost on Saturday. Some escaped by the, again, the, like the slightest of margins, including USC. They needed three overtimes to beat Arizona, Louisville beat Notre Dame, Texas and Oklahoma lived up to the hype as the Sooners down the Longhorns, LSU escaped Columbia with the win. Guys, Mm. Chuck, you were alluding to it last week. You want to just sit in your lazy boy leading up to the Arkansas game, you're going to be entertained. And man, if you did that, you were entertained all day on Saturday. Yeah, there are a lot of good games. I watched, I don't always watch game day anymore, but I watched it at the end on Saturday and I heard Lee Corso say, highest scoring game of the day, Missouri and LSU. And I thought, I don't know about that. But uh, by golly, I guess it turned out to be. Yeah. LSU did escape. Big interception, pick six at the end. Yeah, that was, mm-hmm. a, that was a fun game to watch. And that was another one, you, as a Razorback fan, you're sitting there watching it, and you, you don't really know which way you wanted to have them to go, you know? <laughs> I mean, who did you want to? I mean, a, a sinkhole was what you were rooting for, kind of like OU Texas. What were you? What, who were you rooting for? Yeah, that was another great game. Quinn Ayers lost his Heisman Trophy on Saturday. That was a great game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of action in that game. Now, anyone uh, after the game, did y'all flip over and watch Georgia Tech and Miami? You see uh, the ending to this Christa one? Ball. Coach, coaching yeah. gaffe of the day. So it's under hey, – I'll let you paint it. You brought it up. You paint the picture. Well, I mean, there's like 30 seconds to go in the ball game, and it, they've got third down. They just need to take a knee. They elect to, to run the football, fumble it, give it back to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, a few plays later, throws a 44-yard touchdown to win the ball game. I mean, hey, it should have never happened. He 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 better win nine out of every ten oh. games going forward because for better or worse, and he's a pretty good coach, but for better or worse, that's that's going to follow him around. Yeah, that's one of the worst coaching malpractice decisions I think I've ever seen during the course of a football game of this coin. I mean, I mean Georgia Tech had no timeouts. All you got to do is take a knee. Georgia Tech's a lot better this year, but Miami certainly should have won that game. Oh, I mean, there was thirty six seconds on the clock. I mean, you're not going to have to snap it again. It, 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 it I, you know, we, we have a lot to complain about and a lot to dive into. Nothing like that. Yeah, it was not, a, it was not as bad at that point. Alabama and A&M delivered. Alabama escaped 26-20. to 20. That was a great game if you got a chance to, to watch it on Saturday. Bobby Petrino has still not found a way to beat Nick Saban. Georgia just took it to Kentucky, and I kind of thought this was going to happen. I mean, they've... They've kind of sleepwalked through some games this year. Kentucky's trying to out Georgia, Georgia with less personnel. You're not going to do that in Athens. You're not going to do that in Sanford Stadium. 
I felt the same way Arkansas with Arkansas walking in there two years ago, and man, they that night game. Um, Chuck, I know we talk about great atmospheres, but man, it's so hard to win in Sanford Stadium, especially at night in this situation. Well, when you've got the best players and the best team, it really doesn't matter if you play at 8 in the morning or 10 o'clock at night. If you can get them there, most of the time you're going to win, and Georgia's the best team in the SEC. 51-13 to 13, the final against that. Alabama starting to, again, wake up a little bit defensively. Georgia, we saw them when they actually asked. They are uh, it's an elacious football team that is going to be challenging. But, but a hey, couple of points, a couple of points. I don't know that this is the year of defense. I haven't broken down the numbers. But Kendall Bryles' name's come up a lot today. They're griping about him at TCU. And it ain't like Texas A&M's putting 40 on the board a game. I mean, we're, 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 you know, Petrino's a great coach. I, I'm not taking anything away from him. But they're not lighting up the scoreboard down there either. They almost got shut out in the second half against Arkansas, if not for a field goal. People act like that Petrino was going to be the death of the Razorbacks. He was in the first half. Not so much in the second half. I mean, Williams. Their defensive coordinators, their assistant coach of the year. He's been. It's not a. It's Durkin. That's it's who came over from Old Miss, if I remember that right. Yeah, they have a. They have a good defense, but Alabama just pulled it out once again. So, but I think uh, I think A and M did enough in that game. Just watching it, they they proved that their front on defense is for real. And oh, A and M's good. A and M's a good team. They're yep. not going to win the league, but they're a good team. Yep. Hey, uh, I, I saw what I needed to see in that game to to know that uh, what we'd seen they'll the last few weeks wouldn't have flew. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, they'll probably, be in a decent bowl game. Maybe a, probably a January one game. Maybe so. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the Natty State. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.